Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good. Well, good morning to those of you here in the gathering and then those watching online and down at Ording and uh, across the hall in Traditions. Glad that you are with us this morning. And we have been going through a series on the Holy Spirit. How do we walk with the Holy Spirit in personal relationship like the disciples walked with Jesus? And we have a special guest with us this morning. In fact, you heard about all the missionaries that we support. And this gentleman and his, his wife, Melba, this is Don Exley and his wife, Melba, we supported, we couldn't figure it out, for two or three decades yes. of, a, of a much longer ministry overseas. And so I just want, Don, before we jump into some of the Holy Spirit topic, would you just share a little bit about your ministry journey and how the Lord used you and some of the things that you and Melba got to be a part of over the years? <laughs> Glad to, yes. Good morning, church. How are you today? I, uh, uh, and you guys have been part of our ministry, so anything that, that has happened in our ministry, you have been part of that. Not just part of that, David, David's rule was... Uh, when rewards come, we share and share alike. So if we talk about what God's done, uh, you've done it. And so thank you, and God bless you. But we, we went to Argentina in 1976, about three months after a military coup and lived through a, a dirty war and uh, experienced the bombs and the terrorists and the shootouts and, and all of that kind of stuff and began planting our first church the very next year. And... Uh, that's what we did for, for most of our life in 45 years overseas is planting churches. For 21 years, we served as leaders of our missionary team in five countries. But the very first church we started has been an incredible church. Out of that congregation, more than 150 members have went overseas to serve as missionaries. And, uh, and even though it's never grown past 500 people because they're building only only seats 300 people, and uh, they, they continue to be the number one church in Argentina. But when we arrived there, Pastor, a big church would have been a church of 80. And today in Buenos Aires, we have three Assemblies of God churches that have over 20,000 members. We have been privileged to have went to a country that was considered a hard country, a very secular European country. And we've seen the power of the Holy Spirit invade a, 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 a secular culture, uh, a wealthy culture at that time, and we've seen what God can do. It's just amazing to see this mighty, mighty, incredible transformation and the way that God raised up people, unexpected people, to do that. That's amazing. And I, you're already setting the bar high for us. So, uh, you know, we got about 100 and. Uh, 34 missionaries. We still got to send out of our church, guys. That's what I'm hearing. If we're going to hit that 150, and uh, we want to be one of those churches too, where where the Lord's calling people into yes. His service, and just so cool to hear some of the things that you guys have been a part of. But he, something interesting about Don, and this is how I first got in in personal relationship with Don. I mean, you were a missionary that we supported for a long time, but. Um, you know, last year, I, as I was feeling the Lord just kind of tug on my heart, hey, you've got to, you, the church needs to awaken to more of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking, you know what, personally, I don't know that I've seen 
some of the things that I read about in Scripture that the Holy Spirit can and wants to do. And I started asking around, and this name came up a couple of times. People were like, well, you got to talk to Don Exley. you gotta, you got to reach out to Don Exley. And so I got Don's phone number, and I gave him a call uh, probably last November, sometime around there, and just said, hey, you know, you don't know me from anybody, but I'm trying to figure this Holy Spirit thing out. And, uh, you know, I know my Bible, but tell me what this is supposed to, what have you experienced? What have you, what have you seen overseas? And so I'm going to ask Don to share some of that. But what I want you to know is I walked away from that conversation with an absolute sense of what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do in preaching the sermon series. It kind of changed, as I've mentioned, some of our plans for the church in Renew Conference. And, um, and so Don being here today is kind of, you know, you kind of bookmark the story there a little bit there at the, the, the beginning. And now here as we're heading into Renew Conference. And I want him to share a little bit about what he's seen over the years as, as the marks of the Holy Spirit in a community. And there's all sorts of, what we'll find is that it's not a one-size-fits-all type no. of deal. And so, uh, Don, why don't you share a little bit about some of the unique moves of the Holy Spirit you've seen and why, when people ask about the Holy Spirit, why does the name Don Exley come up? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because I'm just one of you guys, just, just like you, that I know that I, I can do nothing without the whole help of the Holy Spirit. And until you're convinced of that, uh, we're, we will just be a religious institution. We can do a lot of good things, and we can have a good time, but if you want to see the supernatural, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, one thing about ministry overseas is that uh, no matter what shape it takes, people are spiritual. That could mean they're practice witchcraft. That could mean they're into Umbanda, Macumba, all of these things that we deal with out of the voodoo religions of Latin America. But they realize there is a supernatural power, good and bad. And, uh, and, and I'm not a philosopher, so I don't know whether it's humanism or what, but we in America have tried to tune out the spiritual aspect of things. We become very secular. And so when you're going in to plant a church in that kind of world, you have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to be a Pentecostal church, I always had a goal. We would, we would plant a church and turn it over to an Argentine pastor and then go do it again. And my goal was always to make sure 80% of the people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I haven't had a chance to listen to your sermons, but I've read all the outlines. You've just talked about that. But I think that's, that's the beginning point. What percentage of my con congregation is baptized in the Holy Spirit? If we're going to be Pentecostal, that's that's one of the that's that's step one. Be be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, back in the, back in the day, you know, in, in Latin America, we would have all the youth over to our house and, and for an all night prayer meeting to, to to so they could seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So number one is just be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then there are these incredible sovereign moves of God. The first, and I want to talk about three things, three times. One was before we came. In 1954, we probably had two or three Assemblies of God churches in, in, in downtown Buenos Aires, an area of two or three million people, and very tiny churches. And all the Pentecostal pastors, all eight or ten of them, got together and said, let's do a, a big crusade. So they invited in a big-name person who couldn't come, so somebody else came. And this person on the way down, and this is the power of the Holy Spirit. 
God gave him a, a, a word, Peron. He didn't know what that was, and, and he thought it was a geographical place. He found out it was the military dictator of the country. He told the, these pastors, eight or ten Pentecostals organized, I'm going to go see the president, and they laughed at him. But he went there, and they weren't going to let him in, but he saw that the president's uh, uh, secretary there uh, was very sick, and he prayed for him on the spot and instantaneously healed. And so then instantaneously he got in to see the president. Signs and wonders That's are such a valuable part. Preach the word confirmed by signs and wonders. And so the president gave him a stadium for 50,000 people, and all these pastors are just dumbfounded. What are we going to do? If we have 1,000 people, we'd be happy. Well, for 54 days, God moved supernaturally. This is a sovereign move of God. You can't plan it. You don't earn it. You can't often even prepare for it. It's just God says, I'm going to blow the wind. I'm going to blow a wind that you have never experienced. And when we got there in 1974, there were still a few pastors that got saved in that. But what happened were so many miracles that the newspapers, like a sports, the box score in the sports page, every day the newspaper talked about how high the pile of crutches were that were left on the field, how many empty wheelchairs were left on the field, how many, I talked to one old elderly pastor, and he said, yeah, where's there heading in? And everybody started chasing this guy. I started chasing him. We thought he was a thief. He's on his way into the stadium in a wheelchair, and God healed him. See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no formula where you have to be prayed for in a specific order. God moves supernaturally. And uh, by the last day, there were like 50,000 people in the stadium and 30,000 people outside listening on loudspeakers. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. I think some of those things, I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but I hear about the stories, and it feels so far from some of the experiences we've had, even, even those of us that have been around church mm -hmm. a long time. And um, I don't want to get ahead of you here, but I think that's one of the things, is you, you hear these stories, and it's so easy for it to sound like, it's, it's easy for it Fictitious. to sound made up, right? <laughs> um, but before, I, before we get into some of that, I know that, that one of the things that stuck out to me is that you mentioned that you've seen a couple different kind of these sovereign moves of the Holy Spirit, but they don't all look the same. They haven't always been the same. And that kind of struck me as sometimes we get into our formulas and we think this is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit yes. moves. So why don't you share about a couple of those other moves of the Holy Spirit you've been a part of? Uh, in, in 1954, our churches were so small. Nobody knew what to do with this harvest. It was basically lost. It's just like a, uh, a, a downpour of God's grace on dry ground, and it, it just ran off. It wasn't absorbed. And so you go up until 1984, almost 30 years later, and a businessman, a very successful businessman at 32 years of age got saved, and his name was Carlos. And the first week he and his wife were home in their bedroom, and began to pray, God, baptize us in the Holy Spirit. We've just got saved, but we understand we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he and his wife were in their bedroom. See, it doesn't have to be here. It could be in the bedroom, on the bus or in your car. And they were praying that God baptized them in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and so he got excited. And he said, oh, God, about a year later, he's praying, Lord, I need more of the Holy Spirit. I want to do something for you. And God said, uh, go to the military hospital and pray for the sick. Well, we were still under, we were in a guerrilla warfare, so he got to the military hospital, 
and there were guards outside, and they wouldn't let him in. So he, his eight-year-old son was with him. He took his hand and said, oh, I can't get in and go home. He'd walked a block, and God said, I told you to go pray for the sick. So he said, well, you'll have to make me invisible. So he turned around and walked past the guard, walked past the second set of guards and into the hospital and ended up in a ladies' ward. And there were 30 beds there. And, uh, and he would go to the first bed and said, can I pray for you? Now, he's, a, he's only been saved a year, but baptized in the Holy Spirit and believes in power and signs and wonders. And like every new believer, he's got a great big Bible under his arm and a bottle of anointing oil. And he's ready to go do the Pentecostal thing. And these ladies would all say, no, I'm, I'm a Catholic Apostolica Romana. I'm, I'm Apostolic Roman Catholic. I mean, I'm died in the wool. You can't, no. And he got to the last bed, and there's a 15-year-old girl that was paralyzed and laid there in bed for months. And so she said, yeah, you can pray for me. And he's getting his bottle, and God says, just pray for her. So he doesn't even get the anointer with oil, and he prays for her, and she jumps out of bed and starts running up and down, and all these ladies are excited. The nurse runs in, and the nurse sees the girl and says, get back in bed. You can't walk. (laughs) (laughs) And all of a sudden, this businessman then feels like, wow, God's going to use me. Within two years, he was doing these. uh, They would set up a a tent that would hold 1,000, 2,000 people and put the platform outside of the tent. And then the crowds would gather. And the first one, they thought it'd be a two-week thing. It lasted six months, and in that city, they had over 30,000 people saved. And uh, our, our pastor, who was the national president of the Assemblies of God at that time, was there, and he said, there were nights, there were nights I couldn't even take my suit off because the whole city was shaken. And people would come to my house all night long knocking on the door for prayer. And that was the beginning of, of, of this massive revival that swept. They would go from city to city, 30 days, open-air crusades, and in some cities, as many as 80,000 people would sign decision cards. And it began the growth of our churches and explosive. Now, I don't want to scare you, but this was a businessman who took God's Word. I have it on here. Uh, I can't reach the Bible. Took God's Word and believed for it. Signs and wonders healings, and deliverance from oppression. And, and so the, the big tent back there, they called that the intensive therapy tent. Because what, what Carlos would do, they would have a was, church would start at 9 o'clock at night, open air, warm climate most of the time, and sing for 20 or 30 minutes. Then he would get up, and he would pray in mass for the sick. And if there's 10, 20, 30,000 people out there, then they'd line up and start testifying of miraculous healings. And then he would preach and then give an altar call for salvation. And it's in the open field. And so they'd have about, you know, 100, 400 or 500 ushers there holding hands to keep the altar area open. And when he would give the call for salvation, they would let go of their hands and turn sideways and like a stampede. Thousands, thousands of people run forward to give their heart to Jesus. Then they take their names and addresses. So then, then things got interesting. Then Carlos, kind of like Clint Eastwood, he'd say, look at Satan and say, make my day kind of thing. He'd, he'd say, all right, and then he'd begin to pray against the powers of black magic, red magic, white magic, umbanda, macumba, all of the voodoo stuff we deal with there. 
and and probably between one and two percent of the people would start manifesting demons. Now, when I say manifesting demons, I'm not just I'm talking about people levitating off the ground, screaming, vomiting, falling. On, it, it, it's it's crazy when you're dealing with the occult. If you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you better be careful. Not fearful, but be full of the Holy Spirit. Never be afraid of the enemy. Be aware of who he is, but don't let fear get a hold of you, but be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So then they had what they called the cot carriers. Sometimes it'd take four people to pick up a, a teenager the size of your daughter. So powerfully demon-possessed and take them back to the intensive therapy tent where then there would be teams of people praying for these people. And part of understanding the demonic is, you know, there are very few people are totally, totally demon-possessed like the man from Gadara in the Bible. There are a lot of people who have opened doors through, through pornography, immorality, uh, whatever you want to call it, different things where there will be a demonic influence, you know, always trying to make you take a step downward. But that transformed the atmosphere in Argentina. And uh, there was a young man, I had him as, this is really, an, I had him as a Bible school student my first year. And he graduated and tried to start a church and for like six years never got above ten people. Ten people. And he was ready to give up. And he was a, 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 a teaching at the Bible school and the students in that very first crusade, they didn't have enough workers. So it's 30, uh, 20 miles from our Bible school. So our, you talk about on-the-job training. Our Bible school students were taken over there to work in the intensive therapy, cast out demons. You know, you're 19, 20, and you're over there praying until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Then you have to go to Bible school the next day. And uh, he was one of the professors, so the students said, come with us. Come and see. So they took him there. His first time there, they took him in. Here, Pastor, there's a demonic. You go pray for him. And he's the professor. And he says, I'll watch you tonight. You know? And uh, so out of that, uh, God began to bless his church. Now, now he had a church of 1,000 people. And uh, a, a former professor came to visit him who was now a missionary in another country. And so this man, his name's Cloudy, was talking, man, we, got, we could do services six nights a week. Then I do radio until three in the morning. And, da, da. and this professor said, if you're so busy, when do you ever have time to spend with the Holy Spirit? And that was like an arrow into his heart. And he began to spend days in prayer and fasting, seeking the Holy Spirit. And he came to the States, went here, there, just trying to figure out, what does that mean to know the Holy Spirit? And uh, finally, a man that God uses mightily gave him five minutes of private interview. And the man, okay, fine. God bless you. Go back to Argentina. And that was it. But that night, he couldn't sleep. And he was overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he got back to his church. And that Sunday, he was finishing his preaching. Now, it's a, it's a church of 800 to 1,000 people, and that's the capacity and he finished preaching, had everybody stand, and he and is his making his final prayer. He said, "God bless this half of the church." And five hundred people were slain in the spirit. Why? They're all on the floor. And and he said, "Well, I'll raise my hand over here." And the same thing happened. All right, here's a church of a thousand people. Three months later, 
three days before they got uh, the event, they got permission to use a 50,000-seat stadium and had 70,000 people show up because God had poured out his spirit in such supernatural measure that the lines to get in were blocks long. The first service would start at 8 o'clock at night. The second would start at 11 o'clock at night, every night. Now, God doesn't do that. I'm talking about extraordinary sovereign moves of God. And everyone was, everyone was different. And, and sovereign moves of God are unique. They have almost like a beginning and, and, and there's a tail off. But how do you continue to live full of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. You know, the glory days are great, but what happens when the cloud lifts? Yeah, yeah. I think that there's, you know, I hope as you hear these stories, there's probably a dual reaction. I'll just, I'll be the vulnerable one here. On the one hand, there's a part of me that's like, Lord, why, why not us? In fact, I wrote that in my journal a couple of weeks ago as I was praying for this, for this Renew Conference. Why not us? And there's a sense that the Lord wants to do something like that in our nation. And my I, I question just feel, would be, why not? Yeah. So here's, here's maybe why not, because there's another side of me that's like, that sounds really weird and like a whole lot of work. <laughs> and, and there's probably, as we're listening today, and that's just a confession. I don't know that that's the right heart. I think that's just an honest an honest yeah. response there is that sometimes we've got life so dialed in and frankly are probably pretty pretty stinking comfortable with how our life is dialed yes. in most of the time that uh, we hear about God interrupting our calendars. We hear about uh, demons. I mean, it's more convenient to just not believe in them. Well, here, demons wear a tuxedo in America. I'm trying to think of if I've worn a tuxedo anytime. Yeah. I don't think so. They're, you know, it's, it's going to have a different face than... Sure. Than Makumba and Umbanda. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to. I want to. I, I think there's a process of us kind of renormalizing to the power of the Holy Spirit that isn't normal to us. And I think that's a grief. You know, Scripture talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. Is there anything more grievous than part of who God is not being recognized in His own church? Wow, true. And I think that that's the reality of the Holy Spirit. We're fairly comfortable with Jesus, at least as a historical figure. Um, we're kind of semi-comfortable with the idea of God as a father, but the Holy Spirit we just as soon leave out of our personal experience. And so my son actually, I was talking to my kids about Renew Conference on the way to church, and my son asked a profound question. I'm going to change it a little bit, but he said, hey, I was just saying, hey, be ready. God might want to do something. He might want to speak to you. And he said, Dad, what does it sound like when the Holy Spirit speaks to me? And I think for, for a lot of us, it's amazing to think of a stadium full of people getting, uh, getting miracles, but if we dialed that back to even a personal experience, when you're, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we're going to spend time at Renew Conference waiting on the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, what does it look or feel like to experience the Holy Spirit? We focus sometimes on what's being done mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit, but what's the Holy Spirit doing in us? What is that? What's that personal experience like? You know, you've done a great job on, on uh, teaching on the Holy Spirit in, the, in your series. Uh, because we all, to understand, as soon as you're saved, the Holy Spirit's living inside of you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is a, a supernatural in, 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 uh, empowering and doomed of power. You know, if I had a pencil here, just let me shut off my alarm. Uh, 1002, Luke 1002 always talks about pray that the Lord is sending off, 
send out harvest workers. So at 10.02, my alarm goes off every day to pray for workers. Do that for us. <laughs> if, I had a, if I had a pencil, uh, I could fill it, or let's say I had a little receptacle, a test tube. I could fill it with water, and it'd be full of water, but not baptized, but it's full. You can be full of the Holy Spirit without being baptized. I don't know if Billy Graham was ever baptized in the Holy Spirit, but he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. Mm. But then if I took that beaker, that little test tube full of water, and put it inside this pitcher full of water, then it'd be baptized in water. It's full of water, but it's also baptized. You know, when you're baptized in water, you're just overwhelmed everywhere. And that's what the baptism is. And, uh, and, and it's so biblical. It, it, we, we don't want anything that's not biblical. So let me drill, drill down again. Um, what does that feel like? What are, what are some of the things that it feels like to be led by the Spirit? How, how do people know when they're experiencing the Holy Spirit versus um, they just, you know, had something funny to eat that day or they think they're, they have, they're dehydrated or, you know, what is, that, what is that, when that spiritually is happening, what is that, what's the mental, physical experience? I know there's a variety of things it yeah. could be, but, but talk to us a little bit about what, what, are, what do you feel in your soul? What do you, what do you hear in your head? Some of those kinds of things. You know, for, first of all, whatever you feel has to, has to be biblical. Yes. So first of all, whatever you feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, it has to be biblical. The Holy Spirit's never going to come to you, Joe, and tell you to divorce your wife because you love Jane, you know? That's not the Holy Spirit. So, first of all, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you things that are true and the things that are biblical. So, it has to coincide with the Bible. For some of us, it's a, it's a, it's a thought. All of a sudden, I could be thinking, doing something, and I have this supernatural thought. Uh, I was in the Amazon, and we'd been out. Uh, taking a day off, I think I think we went fishing, got back late, had to hurry and shower, and I was going to go preach at the church. I think I just showed you the picture. And I went to preach at a church, and while I was in the shower, uh, the missionary from Brazil that was ho hosting me, we went to his sister's house. And she was married to Brazilian, so she's just living there and married to Brazilian. And I'm in the shower, and the Lord... This is how he works with me. The Lord, I felt like, gave me a word. Go tell... The, the, the dueña de la casa, the, the housewife, the lady of the house, go give her this message. And he gave me a clear word. Tell her that she's always been the ugly duckling, always lived in the shadow of her sister, always felt like she could do nothing. And her sister was a pastor's wife of a church of five or 10,000 and had a, her own TV show and was a great singer and all of this. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't know they were twins. But the Lord gave me that clear word, but he said, don't give it to her now. Boy. So about two or three Maybe because you were in the shower. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. part of it. <laughs> Got to keep it biblical, right? I won't Sorry, I stole your thunder no, there. I, I stole your thunder. I couldn't help it. The Lord speaks to me in the shower a lot of times, too. I don't know why. You know, a lot There's of There's nobody times, else in there, no, probably. That's why. In Argentina, we, we uh, church would start at 8.30 at night, and you, then you eat dinner at midnight, 
and then you have to get up at six in the morning to do the uh, get on with the day, uh, because shops close from one to four for siesta. So I got in the habit of of uh, sleeping a, a siesta because that gives you the ability to do two eight hour shifts a day without being tired. And oftentimes, as you're drifting off to sleep or you're waking up, your mind's in neutral. And you're not, and, and when you're in the shower, you're kind of, you know, it's all routine. You know how to wash your face, and you don't have to think about it. And it's in that, in that sense of tranquility that the Holy Spirit often comes and speaks a word to you. Wow. Now, can I finish my story? Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, I thought that was, that was a gem, though, right no. there. I think the yeah. Holy Spirit led my joke to yeah. serve up that gem. <laughs> Those moments of tranquility. And three months later, we were in this conference I hosted for 10 years in this massive revival church and uh, where Carlos and Claudio and another guy came and we did this event. The last day, in the altar, this lady was kneeling on the altar, facing the floor, and the Lord said, now go give her this word. I really don't know this lady, but I went over there and said, you know, the Lord says to you that you're no longer going to be the ugly duckling. The Lord's putting an anointing on you and your ministry is going to grow. The next time I went to Brazil, her mom was an elderly missionary lady there. She said, what did you do to my daughter? <laughs> she came to the Bible school where we're president, and she, she preached. She's never preached, and the power of God fell. And now she's, in, now she's back in, in Manaus in the Amazon, and she has her own TV show, and it's the most watched TV show in, in, in the city. Mm. And people get healed and saved and delivered in her show. And that was probably 15 years ago. About three years ago, I asked the brother, I said, remind me again. I'm, this is the story I remember. Is it still true? Yeah, and, and, and God's still using it. That church in Manaus, and, and you have one central church in, in the Assemblies of God in Brazil. It's a little different. And all the other churches, our daughter churches, is that one. Hmm. When I was there, there were about 30,000 Assemblies of God believers in that city of a million and a half. About eight years after God touched that woman, there were over 300,000 Assemblies of God believers in that one city. Wow. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, did she ever have big ministry outside of TV? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But God used her among the other staff people. Yeah. Just gave her an anointing to bless other people. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's so important to think that you just heard a word from the Lord and were faithful to deliver it, and it it birthed one of those great miraculous moments. But it wasn't. Sometimes we no. think that the, the miracle is all on us. No, here's what I like to say. A lot of times when the Holy Spirit wants to use you, you're nothing more than the, the man who, you're, you're the dash driver who brings the food. <laughs> the old way would be the telegram man who delivers the message. Mm-hmm. Don't get the big head if the Holy Spirit uses you. That's really good. Because he looks for open vessels. And don't be afraid. Here's another thing, Pat. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. See, a lot of people are, feel like the Holy Spirit wants to use them, but they're afraid that it's, it's the flesh. Mm-hmm. Or they're afraid I might make a mistake. Any word you receive from God is like crystal clear, pure water. And we are the pipes, and we're just somewhat oxidized. We're rusty. So what comes out from heaven is pure and clear and perfect. has to flow through these rusty pipes. And sometimes we will make mistakes. So don't be afraid. Uh, uh, 
A lot of times when I, if I feel like the Lord wants me to speak, and prophecy, don't, don't get weird, prophecy in the New Testament is always a word of encouragement, a word to build up. It's not always given this now. And, and I'll never, and this is just me, I'll never give a prophetic word to your daughter. Now, you're going to be a missionary in Timbuktu. Prophetic words need to be words of encouragement and, and edification and very rarely, very rarely a word of correction or a word of God's will for your life is this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's those, those all these little practical. You probably details. already taught that. I'm no, sorry. I mean, I, I, you know, for me, it's it's uh, trying to apply theology, but you've you've practiced it, and so I just appreciate that. I think it's really good. I I, um, I want to get into some of the things we talked about in that phone call. Yes. Um, you know, I started asking you about what what does it look like to seek the Holy Spirit, and what are some of the obstacles that we have to overcome. And I'd love for you to speak to that a little bit about, you know, we could all kind of raise our hands and, and, you know, hopefully be honest and say, you know what, God, we want the Holy Spirit to come. We sang some songs echoing that this morning in this venue, and um, we want the Holy Spirit to move. But what does it look like for us to really want the Holy Spirit to move? What does it look like? We, we say, seek the Lord often. What does that look like for us to actually seek the Lord? Well, let me ask you a question in the church. When I was in the eighth grade, my dad was a layperson. And we had a trio come in from a Bible school for weekend services. That turned into six weeks of church every night except Saturday night. And my dad, and of course the family, never missed a single night for six weeks. Could that happen today? Would you come to church six nights in a row and go to work the next day? Get your kids off to school? Could that happen here? It's really hard to see it. In our, in our culture. Here's a, here's a little illustration I put. Back in that day, just think of a bicycle wheel or an old wagon wheel. You have the axle and you have the spokes going out. Back in the day when I was eight, in the eighth grade, the axle was the church and Jesus. Everything else in life was secondary to that. Now, church... Revival, job, family, Jesus. They're all spokes. I don't know what the axle is. I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to accuse anybody. We're all part of this American culture that it, we struggle in understanding what if God wanted everything, everything, all my free time that I'm not working. Now, that doesn't mean we go crazy because we still have that axe, that spoke that's family. We still have that spokes that's job. We still have that spokes that, that's vacation. But it all flows out of my life and relationship with Jesus Christ. That if he says, I want you in church every night for five weeks, yes, sir, you are the boss. You are the Lord. You are the Lord of my life. Yeah, I think uh, we we look at inconvenience almost like it's our doctrine. And if something's going to inconvenience us, there's no way that it can be from God. <laughs> and I, I think that's a personal confession. I think that's a that's a cultural norm. Um, is that if it's if it's 
you know, we're so good at self-care that we could care less about anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, that our schedules, we pack them pretty tight and we control them pretty tight, you know. And so I think that's one of those things that's, uh, that's pretty challenging. It's pretty challenging. One thing about the American culture is we're, 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 t- we're time-oriented. I mean, probably, just confession time. If you've looked at your clock or your iPhone to see what time it is since we started talking, raise your hand. No, you don't have to. <laughs> other cultures, such as Latin America and Africa and other, are event-oriented. Hmm. You go overseas and you say, well, it's 7.30 and nobody's here. Why don't we start? My church, if there's nobody there, we start anyway. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, our worship team has to do it at the beginning of 11 o'clock service most weeks. So, calling you out 11 o'clock. No, just kidding. And and the other culture is, well, why start if nobody's here? Let's not start the party till everybody's here. Let's not start church till everybody's here because it's all about Jesus. It's not about the clock. Not about Sunday dinner. And we can talk a great talk, but if we're not hungry, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't push his way in. He waits till we say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Come and take. He said, I'll come if you give me 100%. I want all of you, not part of you. I want all of your time, not your downtime. And we have, we have decisions to make if we really, really want a move of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it radically changes our life, and I hope so. You know, because now we've, we've seen two different sovereign moves of the Holy Spirit. And I still hunger for more. Yeah, let me just say, during, during the height of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it was so easy to wake up an hour before the alarm clock because I could hardly wait to get back in prayer. Hmm. I could hardly wait to be back in the Holy Spirit's presence. And I don't, you know, this is a confession. Now that I'm retired, in other words, I'm not overseas. I'm still doing a lot of stuff online, teaching for hours. But I don't have to, I'm not like you. I don't have to show up at the office at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. So if I want to linger for two hours in prayer and the Word and reading, I can. So it takes a different shape for all of us how how, how our commitment to the Lord is lived out and worked out. And those incredible sovereign moves of God are wonderful. I, I'm ready for another one. But until it comes, how do I live full of the Holy Spirit? How do I, how do I take the word to the world? Let me just want one more thing because I know our time's up. No, we're good. Uh, Keep going. You say we're gonna, we're on we're on Latin American time okay. right now. <laughs> I just didn't tell them yet. Uh, what I t- t- teach our church people, I say, live full of the Holy Spirit. Be ready to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, but you don't have to be weird or mystical. 
We've all been around some weird and mystical people, haven't we? And I said, you're on your job, and a colleague comes up to you and says, man, I have a splitting headache. Do you have some Tylenol in your desk drawer? Instead of reaching for the Tylenol, said, you know, dude, my church, we pray for people that are sick. Before I give you the Tylenol, can I pray for you? I don't even have to close my eyes or do anything weird. I can just say, God, God, heal Caleb's headache today. Let him know that you love him and that you're real. Amen. Here's a Tylenol rug if you need it, but let's believe God's going to heal you. It could be something more serious than that. And, and, and maybe Caleb won't remember it, but the next time he has a, hey, my son has cancer, the first place he's going to go is to sure. you. Yeah. Because he knows you're a man who believes in prayer. So don't make being used of the Holy Spirit something that you have to walk on water to be used of. Yeah. You can be used of the Holy Spirit. Now, so for me, a lot of times it's just, it's, it's almost spontaneous. You know, it's, uh, I don't, uh, it's a feeling. Sometimes it's a word. Sometimes you might even all of a sudden say, man, I got this pain I've never had before. Oh, maybe somebody, yeah, somebody has that pain. And you, does anybody here have that pain? And you say, maybe the Holy Spirit wants to use you. Mm. And uh, it's not like I come in with a list of, okay, God's going to do this, this, and this today. Uh, a lot of times it's a pray for people. One thing I try to I've been in conferences as one of the speakers with uh, uh, inter- uh, uh, probably more charismatic style churches. Well, they'll have the prophet come in, and you can line up, and there'd be 100 people, 200 people in line, and he would promise to give every one of them a prophetic word. Now, I'm not near that spiritual <laughs> that I could promise everybody a prophetic word from God. But as I pray, a lot of times I just pray, what's your need? And I'll just pray for the need. A lot of times... Uh, it'll just be, uh, I went up to a young man uh, one night praying for people, and all of a sudden just said, you've been thinking about committing suicide. In fact, you're gonna, you, you thought the way you're going to go do it is throw yourself in front of one of the, the, the buses here in the city. His eyes got that big around. He said, you've been talking to my mom, haven't you? <laughs> You know, and see, that's how the Holy Spirit works. I didn't, it's the first time the boy was, the man, he's 20-some years, was in church. I didn't know him. I didn't know his thoughts. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit led me to pray for something or to ask something. And, yeah, it's kind of scary because you might have made a mistake. And you just say, I'm sorry. I'm, that's just a feeling I had. That's a feeling I had. If I'm wrong, what's your biggest need? And let's pray about it. So yeah. don't be afraid to be human. Being used of the Holy Spirit doesn't make you supernatural. It's good. He's supernatural. You know, Don, I think that probably the biggest challenge that we face, and I'd love to kind of end with a couple questions this direction, is in that area of spiritual hunger um, that, that I think often we're so satisfied or um, feel like we could be more satisfied with our own schedules and with our own things that that we're not hungry for the Holy Spirit to move. I mean, I, to, there's, I think that there's a real wrestle, even in Christians, people that, are, that love Jesus, to say, God, I, I really do want the Holy Spirit to lead my life to that degree. 
because I think that there's a certain level of comfort we have when we're kind of like in that shared leadership mode that we think we're in when really the Holy Spirit's like, I guess you're driving the car. I'm here when you need me. But um, talk to us about how do we cultivate that spiritual hunger? And you said something to me on the, on the phone call. You said, you know, Caleb, and this was early in the phone call. You said, you know, there's a price to be paid mm-hmm. to experience the move of the Holy Spirit. And I, I think I said to you, Don, that, that kind of freaks me out. What does that mean? What is the price to be paid? And so talk to us about that. How do we cultivate hunger? What is that price to be paid to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit? You know, the price is probably different for every person, you know. Uh, I I guess the the biggest thing would be he has to be absolute number one. Can you imagine, can you imagine if I walked over here to my wife and I said, Melba, out of all of the women I love, you're number one. (laughs) I love you, Holy Spirit, but I love NFL, I love fishing, I love my family, I love, how, how do we get to that point that we crave, but you remember when you were love, early love, dating, you know, you just crave to be together, and, uh, and that's part of being in, in hungry for the Holy Spirit is you really, really want. Let me tell you one more story. And I know uh, we were at general council. Okay, here's a conference for all the preachers. And uh, this businessman evangelist, Carlos, preached and finished preaching midnight. You know, because service starts at 9 o'clock. And uh, I mean, he has such an anointing here. There's several hundred pastors face down, just crying out to God for more. And that's hunger. And these are pastors of good church. In fact, one of them got up, uh, the pastor's wife, her eyes were almost swollen shut from week, and they have a church of 20,000. And they're at the altar. <laughs> and they're crying out, God, I want more. None of this. I'm better than anybody else. I have the big churches. God, I want more. And it's so late, by the time we got out of there, there weren't even any restaurants open. We, Melba and I got back to the hotel and got in bed. It's now 1.30 or 2. And some neighbors come in and start making noise. Oh, well, I couldn't get angry because there's a pastor and his wife who had to have their own prayer time before they went to bed. And it wasn't, dear Jesus, lay me down to sleep. It was rakatakataka tongues and praying and seeking more of God. That's what hunger's all about. There's never enough. It doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you don't live and eat and do other things. But it sets all your priorities in absolute subjection to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So if you're not hungry, but you want to be hungry, or you know you should be hungry, how do you get hungry for the Holy Spirit? How do you, how do you move from a place of satisfied without much of him to being like that? Well, sometimes the price to pay is go through dark valleys and big storms. Because as long as life is comfortable, you know, that's just life is comfortable. And secondly, dive into the Word. And just everybody here, I, I assume everybody here loves Jesus. 
You've been saved. You're a believer. And just say, God, I don't want to coast through this life. I don't care if you're 60 or 70. I'm 73, and I'm still hungry for more of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I still want to be used. How do you develop hunger? <laughs> How many of you have to think about getting hungry for lunch? And spiritually, it's the same way. I should have a spiritual hunger to grow, to be in his word, to be in his presence, to seek his face, and to be willing to be obedient. I don't know how you develop hunger, but I can guarantee you one thing. Once you've, once you've been exposed to the glory of God, you don't want to go back. You know, I think that I think that, that that's, that's really profound. I think that, you know, we should be hungry, and if we're not hungry, that's a sign that something's wrong. That's a sign that maybe there's some repentance or, and sometimes, I th you know, maybe it's repentance of having our schedule so packed full that there is no room for God. Yeah, maybe you don't have to be a sinner to not have Jesus as absolute Lord. You, you said, oh, well, you, you're co-drivers. And uh, you love him, but boy, we are control freaks. We are. It strikes me that, you know, things like repentance of things that are holding back God mm -hmm. and fasting things that maybe have no real spiritual value, but they've been kind of filling that appetite for us that those two things, repentance and fasting, seem to be two things in Scripture that restart the appetite, that kind of restart the, the healthy hunger that we should have. I think, though, a lot of times we think we've got to repent of these, you know, the most awful sins that we can culturally come up with, but maybe the sin of the American church is that we just don't have any room for God, and we'd rather be in control than him be in control. Maybe, maybe that's where our repentance needs to be focused, is rather than on, God, I did this little thing wrong, and I was mean to this person, and I did, you know, we focus on these little, really little sins that are noticeable instead of the overarching norms of our life that are really getting in the way of a walk with the Holy Spirit. And, Absolutely. you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to do that and still be... Um, and still live the standard American lifestyle. You know, I mean, talking about giving six weeks of evenings in a row, I mean, that's... What happens to Little League soccer and baseball? And yeah, and then the your kids are league. guaranteed to miss college if they don't play soccer at four yeah. years old, is what I've heard. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, it does strike me, though, that there are certain things we're willing to give that amount of loyalty to. They just are all on Netflix yeah. that we'll give six weeks of loyalty to, or we just pack all six weeks of of uh, shows into, into one, one weekend, one. <laughs> yeah. and then we're too tired to get up for church on Sunday. But uh, sorry, I'm just venting I'm, now. I'm not part of this conversation. <laughs> I want to be loved. No, I, I think that I think I'm just. Re I mean, that's, I'm talking about myself. Uh, obviously, I, I get up at church for church on Sunday, but because um, you guys would really notice if I skipped. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think it's just that reality that we do have time and space, but we've given it to something. That, that's, what's the axle of the wheel um, is really, that's a powerful visual. And if it's anything other than Jesus, repentance is required. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, that's where, um, 
that's where I, I'm starting personally is just repenting of things, even, even just some of the in, innocent things that have gotten out of control in my life, that fill my life way too much, mm. the entertainment stuff that, you know, it, you can say, man, I'm just, I'm not watching anything that's, you know, R-rated or got this kind of content in it. But if you're spending your entire, all of your brain energy is focused on, I don't care if you're just on like a, a Disney movie binge, your mind is occupied by something other than the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I think that, and, and, and to be honest, Don, I mean, I'm the generation where we like raise our kids on tablets. I mean, where I just am like, hey, child, I can't handle your own mental process, so why don't you zone out as well? And I think that there's things like that that the Holy Spirit's just saying like, hey, we've got to be different than that. We have to be different than the world around us. Just because it is the norm in our society does not mean it is the norm of the kingdom that God intended us to have. And, I, you know, Don, as we, as we do kind of move towards ending here, I'm going to have you pray here in just a moment. Just pray a blessing over us. Pray a blessing of the Holy Spirit, a unique move of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to say, as Christians that are in the cultural context that we're in, we can, we can say and pray all day long, man, I hope, the, I hope America changes, I hope culture changes, I hope the state of Washington changes, I hope, this, I hope my boss changes, my wife changes, my whatever changes, but the only person the Lord wants to help you change is yourself. It's, me. it's the only person. And, and I just, Don, again, I, I, just since we had that phone call, I just feel so convicted personally about some of the things that I think the Holy Spirit's been whispering to me about for a long time. And that's that we have got to make room for God in our lives. I think there's going to be a lot of Christians that show up to heaven and they are not going to recognize, they're going to be like, what is this place? I've never seen anything like this before. And Jesus is going to say, it's my kingdom. It's been waiting for you all along. And there's going to be some things missed out on because we are so unfamiliar with the kingdom of God. Even though Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, yes. and now it's here, and now preach the kingdom, and signs and wonders will follow. And I'm not so much interested, I mean, I think the signs and wonders are great. That's one of the things that com compels us to seek more of the Holy Spirit. But the signs and wonders are not what we're looking for. What I want is the intimacy with the Holy Spirit, where I'm hearing his voice regularly, and where he wants to do a sign and wonder, it's, it, it's not even as wondrous as the intimacy I have with the God. Relationship. Yeah. And, um, and so, Don, I just, Sound Life Church, I don't know what it looks like for us to do our part in the kingdom in our generation. What I do know is that our generation's best chance of God bringing spiritual awakening and revival is us stop trying to do everything our way on our own in our power, in our skill sets, in our knowledge base, and to, to truly humble ourselves before God and say, nothing that I have to offer is enough unless you come and do something beyond me inside of me. And I, I think that we have to humble ourselves, and, and you know what? I joke about it, but it's dead serious. For many of us, our schedules are in the way of us serving God. I love you. It's true of my life too, but our schedules are in the way. For many of us, our hobbies, our pursuits, and our passions are overgrown. They are good things, but they're taking the place of God in our lives. 
For many of us, we are drowning our stress, our weariness, our pain, our anger with entertainment, and it only pushes it off down the field and makes the issue worse. We need to put those things aside and seek God. And seek God. And you know what? These next few nights, we're going to do that here in this room. We're going to do that here. But I know that it's not enough. I know that three nights is nothing in comparison with what God wants to do in his church. It has to be those moments with your spouse kneeling beside your bed, crying out to God, knowing that you're going to be tired for work the next day because you didn't get enough sleep unless God energizes you. It means clearing those things off your schedule. It means that your priority for your kids is that they know the voice of the Holy Spirit more than they know how to play a sport or have a skill set down or get straight A's in school. Though all those things have value in their own proper context. It means that the Holy Spirit becomes our number one pursuit in our lives. And, you know, I've had, I've had several months to process since we first talked and, and as, as the Lord's been working in me. And, and church, I, I don't want to be hard on us. I don't want to be, be mean. You know, I, I definitely like to be liked too, Don. It's, it's, it's a struggle in my life. But can I say, I don't want to, me and you, we're all going to stand before the king one of these days. And we all think we're going to be standing by ourselves, but I think there's also, there's also uh, group grades sometimes too. And we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. And we need to be able to say more than, well, Lord, I showed up to church. Lord, I did the Bible reading plan. Don said something to me that has changed the way that I look at my personal time with the Lord, and we'll end with this. He said that all this stuff that he's talking about begins to happen in your life when your disciplines move to delights. I thought about that, and I was like, you know what? As a pastor, I'm pretty disciplined about the things that I tell you to do. I make sure I'm doing them. But sometimes they're just disciplines. They're things I do because I should do them. You know, sometimes you guys do that. You're like, Caleb wants us to read through the Bible. We'll do the Bible reading plan. I better at least show up to one night of Renew Conference or they're not going to think I'm very spiritual. I better, you know, give my tithe and the offering because otherwise God's going to be mad and won't bless me. And we slip into everything's a discipline and they're valuable disciplines. They, they don't, they're not going to hurt us by being disciplined. But it's when those things move to that place of delight, that first love that you talked yeah. about, when we, we just are like, God, I want to give you this and give you more. I want to give you time and give you more time. I want to make my finances available to you and give you more than you ask for. I, wanna, I want all these things and more for you, God, because I love you that when it moves to delight. And honestly, Don, that's been one of the big takeaways over the last few months. God's been moving my times with him from just discipline to delight. And I'm rediscovering that first love in my life. And that's my desire for our church, that over these next three days, man, I, I think that we'll see some signs and wonders. I think God's going to do some miracles. But my prayer is that our sense of his presence is so overwhelming that whether he does miracles or not does not matter. That we have such a sense of the reality of God and his love for you and me that all the other stuff pales in comparison. Absolutely. I told my son this morning, I'm like, you know what? When you do hear the Holy Spirit's voice, we always think he's going to tell us what to do first. But in my experience, he wastes so much time just telling me how much he loves me. And I'm like, yeah, 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 but what do you want me to do? And then I realized I actually need to know his love. I need to know my identity in him 
before I can do anything for him. My prayer is that over these next few days, whether it's three days or six weeks of days or I'm trying to surrender, having a surrender moment right now. You know, whatever the Lord wants to do, that's what I want yes. in my life. And that's what I want for my friends, for my church family. And so, Don, would you, would you pray over us and pray over Ording Valley, pray over traditions, pray over those watching online, that God would just bless us in ways we can't even understand or imagine with more of him? We're going to pray. Let me just, to walk full of the Holy Spirit begins with being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you've taught on it. Let me just give you... Th- Scripture talks about you have to ask. You have to ask. You have to have faith. And you have to live in obedience. That's it. It's a gift. You cannot earn it. And if you asked 10 years ago and you said, I didn't get it, so I'm just ask again. You ever had kids asking for presents at Christmas? They never get tired of asking. And ask. So stand with me right where you're at. You know, the Holy Spirit comes. <laughs> I took a college student that got saved with me to preach a youth rally. And, and uh, I was just a guest speaker. They were making the announcements for youth camp and, 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 and everything else. And right in the middle of the announcements, he started screaming as loud as he could in other tongues. And everybody's looking at me like, Exley, don't you, you know, teach your new converts not to do interrupt the holy announcements? And... Uh, well, after church, I asked Elville, what happened? He said, I had such a bad headache. I was going to get up and leave and go outside, but I didn't want to miss anything. And then I felt this cold wind blowing on me, so I stood up to close the window, and the window wasn't even open. And then all of that speaking in tongues just came right then. So right here, right now, in your car on your way home, in your shower tonight or tomorrow morning, just say, Lord, I'm here, and I'm hungry. So just right there, raise your hands and just begin to pray your own prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm hungry. I really want more of you. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to be used by you. I want to give me ears to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Whether you're watching online or whether you're at the other church building, wherever you're at, just begin to cry out, God, I'm here and I'm ready. I'm here and I'm ready. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, may these three days that are approaching be days of of being isolated in your presence. Lord, even though we're in a group, we'll just feel surrounded by the presence of the Holy Spirit. That he will realign our priorities. He will fill us anew with the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for Sound of Life Church and all of their venues that you would begin a fresh wind. A fresh wind, Lord. You you know what you're going to send, and we just say, send it now. Send it now. Send it now. Just begin to ask. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit. You haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, just right there. Doesn't have to be loud. Just begin to be open to what the Holy Spirit has for you. Jesus said, here I am. Use me. Speak to me. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the power to speak of you to those who don't know you. Jesus, I pray for 
Pastor Caleb and Jeanette, that the Holy Spirit would lead them as they lead this wonderful congregation. Give them divine insight into this culture in the Pacific Northwest. And may this church become suddenly a, 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 a place where as people drive by, they sense there's something that's drawing me into here. And we ask this in Jesus' holy and powerful name. Amen, Lord.